This is the Real Strong People podcast, the show where extraordinary people peel back the layers of their lives to get real about their true stories of finding strength and meaning. But it's not just about inspirational stories. Every episode, we share real, actionable advice for becoming physically and mentally stronger in your own life. As a reminder, statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm your host, Dana Santis, pro sports breathing mobility and mind-body coach known as the Mobility Maker. Today, I am just elated to introduce you to my friend, Bert Soren. You might already know him as the president of Sorenex, an American-based elite-level exercise equipment company, which he co-owns with his father, Richard. But Bert is even more than that, so much more than that, in fact. Bert and his family, a family rooted in strength, have been entrenched in the human performance world for as far back as Bert can remember. He'll tell you that he practically grew up with a barbell in his hand. That influence led to his athletic career as a four-time Division I All-American track and field athlete, Southeastern Conference champion, former weight throw record holder, and an Olympic trials athlete. Since then, Bert and his father have worked together building Sorenex as more than just businessmen, but inventors of hardware and applications to make people more effective, efficient, and safe on both sports fields and battlefields. Although Bert has never served in the armed forces himself, he has the utmost respect for our servicemen and women. And his extensive network of veterans, scientists, coaches, and therapists allows for a combination of expertise and support to create innovative solutions for both sides of the table. Bert pushes each day to find the best in people and help them maximize their own potential. Undeniably, Bert is a people person. We don't have enough time in this podcast to discuss all the profound connections this man has helped me personally forge, but believe me when I tell you he doesn't just forge connections. He fosters family bonds. And speaking of family, Bert and his incredible wife, Leslie, who I'm also honored to call a dear friend, are the proud parents of three terrific kids who I also love very dearly. Now, before we get started with this amazing human... As always, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our forever sponsor, Thorne, a leader in personalized scientific health and wellness solutions. I know Bert is also a big fan of Thorne products and the Thorne family who have a presence at Sorenex's Summer Strong event every year. Now, when you visit my website at mobilitymaker.com forward slash Thorne and sign up for a free Thorne account using my referral link, you'll automatically receive a 20% discount on all future individual Thorne supplement purchases. So make sure you check that out in the show notes for further details. So now that we have all the housekeeping out of the way, and I hope I did you uh, justice with that introduction because I remember one time they like sprung it on me that I was going to introduce you at an NSCA event. And I thought they were going to, someone else was going to read your bio and then I could just add my flair to it. So I wasn't prepared and I always felt terrible that I just didn't, I didn't do that justice. So I hope, I hope that hey, gives people a yes, feel for you. Thank you very, very much. It's, it's hard to, um, it's hard to listen when people talk about you, but Thank you. You you, uh, you made me embarrassed and, and blushing. So thank you. Oh, perfect. That was my goal, of course. <laughs> 
All right. Well, you know what? Um, that's a really good segue into this first uh, this first segment of the show that I like to cover, which is like the real you. And that that's what I'm most excited about this particular podcast in sharing for people because you know the president of a company, right? And and then specifically being an exercise equipment company, I think people automatically have a certain perception of who you are and having the privilege of really getting to know you I don't think they even know the tip of the iceberg of who you are so I want to talk about that perception versus reality thing and also you know you're doing so much more on social media now what do you think is the biggest difference between how people might see you think of you who don't really know you and the people who really know you like who you really are Easy question. Uh, yeah, very super easy question, right? Well, well, first of all, you know, thank you for having me on the show and thanks for taking the time. I know we've been talking about wanting to get, get on this for a while now. So as far as what people probably see me as, uh, I guess I don't really know how people see me. I, I assume probably the easy money would be large, potentially scary looking person, probably because we're in the strength world probably maybe a little bit competitive, aggressive, maybe there's a hint of ego there. Uh, and, and I don't, I wouldn't say that any of those are false because we're, we're in the world we're in. I mean, I think that goes for any athlete or anyone, but um, I'm probably a lot quieter than people even really think. I'm, I'm, I put myself out there because I, I'm like a weird introvert extrovert kind of thing. Oh, um, yeah. Yes, you, you are. know, like I, there's certainly parts of me that love being around hundreds of people and making sure everyone's taken care of and pouring into that. And that charges me up because I, I got reading on introvert and expert. And obviously, it's not a, a new thing, but, you know, the introvert is someone who is generally crowds drain them and silent silence and solitude, you know, kind of fortify them and fertilize them. And then the extrovert just gets all their energy from external sources. I'm both. I love like a summer strong or winter strong or things like that, or like going to the conference where I met you and your husband, like that charges me up. I come home and I'm like, oh man, I met a super cool person. And like, that's really exciting for me. But when I have my little tank gets filled to a point, there is a diminishing return that starts burning fuel instead of gaining fuel for me. And I found like after a summer strong, winter strong, something like that, I have to be a dark room alone for a few days just because like it's a shock to the system and it's all all the emotions it's it's joy it's happiness it's it's curiosity it's sadness it's all these things and i feel all these things but i've realized i have to have my pendulum has to swing back and forth like i was talking to my wife the other day and you know, we haven't been getting a lot of sleep lately. We've had some people in town and like, you know, it's been awesome. It's been great to get filled up. Uh, but, you know, you're averaging five nights, five hours, six hours, nights sleep, you know, multiple days in a row and all these events and everything, early flights and all that. And I come home and she's like, you, you need some sleep. I'm like, yeah, I need some sleep. But then I like went up to the cave and I think I like shot my bow and worked out and listened to some music and just was kind of quiet for a few hours. And then she's like, how are you not tired? And I was like, I'm fine now. Like, I just kind of realized what my medicine generally is, is quiet. And, um, and that probably stems from being an only child for being a very gregarious person. I was an only child. And that's probably what led me to be gregarious because I always wanted a lot of friends and to be able to like give to a family of people. But there's always that little rubber band stretches back and it's like, yeah, but Bert needs Bert time, which is off the radar. Hence why I like some of the outdoors pursuits, because being off the radar is something that I 
very much appreciated as well. So I can see maybe that's something that people maybe don't see as much because if they see me, I'm generally in the public eye, which is a very strange thing to say in, in itself, but forward-facing portion of Sornex, a bunch of employees, like large social group and kind of trying to take care of the people and fertilize that group. Um, I give a lot, but then I, I've come to the realization that after a while, like my tank is done and then that's where I go underground. I think that increasingly there are more of us who are like that. Um, I, I'm trying to remember which podcast, but someone, and I'm sure it's someone you know, because everyone who I've had on this podcast, you know, <laughs> um, and probably introduced me to, but we'll get into that a little later. But I remember having a similar conversation where I'll go, you know, and speak an event. And then, you know, we do, you do the meet and greets, like the social, sure. the reception, and then I have to go back to my hotel room for even right. if it's just half an hour. I love it. I love it sure. when I'm out there. And But if I don't get that quiet, like there have been times where then, you know, the social reception, I'll start to get a little down on it where it's like, I can't go to the petting zoo right now, you know, like where all the speakers are supposed to. I just can't do yeah. it. I, I need to go. I can't because I'm right. not going to give them my best self because I'm depleted. And so I absolutely, I absolutely get that. And I think more and more we're seeing that mix of introvert and extrovert. A lot of what I read about it was written long before such an influx of social media where we're constantly, you know, you talk about being forward facing. We have to be forward facing to an 360 audience. degrees around you at all times. At yeah. all times. And and you know, sometimes it sucks when it's in the back of your mind. You're having a really great workout and maybe, you know, um, like for me, there's maybe I I come up with a new progression for a mobility move. And instead of just enjoying it for myself in that moment, I'm thinking, oh, I should, you know, set the camera up. And then I'm like, no, I don't want to. Right. Uh, right. Oh, you're, you're exactly right. And, and it becomes a balance between, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a balance between how much of this life is for public consumption and how much of it is for that you'll just never know about. And, and anyone else, because there's a, there's a beauty to that as well. There's a beauty to knowing like, this was my moment that I had got to have, and I didn't have to go and put it out or flex on it or dance in the, uh, you know, in, in the, the end zone on this one, I just got to enjoy it. And some of that is, is just very, man, it's hard. Um, you know, I, I think of a few times that I, I've had some amazing moments my whole life, but you know, even the last 15 years, but two moment two times stick out in my mind as like again the summer strongs winter strongs those are like deeply impactful those are like rewiring the hard drive type things but then i've had a couple of moments i've my wife knows knows that she wasn't there for those but i talk about them and there were one time in 2008 when i was uh, competing in scottish highland games in scotland competed all day trained for it all summer peaked well competed did well went out, had some drinks with the boys. And then I was walking back to our, our bed and breakfast through a, an old field in the Scottish Highlands, climbing over hundreds and hundreds of year old rock walls coming back. And I'm in a full moon in a pasture at two in the morning in a country that I think I had a cell phone, but it was before iPhone. So it's like the GPS capability, like all the connecting capability was not there. And I remember just looking up at the moon and just looking around, it was perfectly quiet. And I was like, no one on earth knows where I am right now. No one on earth. Like you could not get to me right now if you had to. And like, that was the most freeing feeling I'd had 
and still to this day, I think about that. I'm like, wow, I had, it, it was, I was, it was for me. It was a, it was a time that I got to be me. And then gosh, 10 years later, I was walking through Brussels at uh we were doing some things for NATO and I walked back about three miles. And I remember walking through a town where I don't speak the language. No one knows who I am. I kind of don't know where I'm going, but it being wildly interesting and fun because I go, wow, I'm totally anonymous here. This is fantastic. I, I can't even talk to anyone. I mean, I guess they know English, but like I am like totally on my own. And I just remember thinking it wasn't scary. It was it was invigorating because I was like, maybe I want to take a left and go down this street right now. Maybe I want to do, I don't have to be anywhere. No one's asking anything of me. I kind of look, I'm like, gosh, why would that be the case of that being an enjoyable situation? I go, oh, because when there's so much responsibility physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, socially on this side, like there has to be a, the pendulum has to swing the other way, I believe at times to keep any type of balance. And so that's something that I actually look for more and more because my life on this side accelerates faster and faster and deeper and more sucking from I'm needed more, I'm, I'm required more. And uh, I have to remember that other side has to go there or, or I get in a weird spot. I think I'm going to ask you kind of a hard question now, um, but you're the perfect person to answer this question. (laughs) So you have the perspective of those experiences, um, especially the first one when you talked about, you know, uh, you didn't, there weren't iPhones yet. And so you were completely off the grid. You also, you also make an effort to, to have experiences that kind of take you off the grid. And I could have walked down the road and instead I went across a bunch of fields because I'm interested. <laughs> right. That and that's phenomenal. I believe that your kids are still growing up with that kind of perspective. And so I want to get into that a little bit. But before I do, I, I, I just I think it was the podcast before you with my friend Chris Williams. Oh, hey, a friend that you didn't introduce me to. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> amazing, <go> right? <laughs> Um, so Chris, uh, Chris Williams is an actor who he's been in Dodgeball and, um, he's in a whole bunch of different series. Um, he played Crazy Eyes Killer on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's just, he is a really neat human as well. And we were talking about how kids growing up today, they don't have the perspective of being able to just get lost because they have a phone with GPS. They don't know, like, I mean, when I was little, you knew, I grew up really poor, um, getting away from the people who were raising me, and because people can't see this, I'm putting that in quotes, (laughs) um, was really important to me. And at one point, we were renting this house that was in the middle of nowhere, um, Austerlitz, New York, for anyone who knows of that area, but it was on acres and acres and acres, and I would just walk out into the woods and keep walking and it could who knows what time i would get home at night because i'd keep right. walking until um i either found my way back to the house or found my way to a road and i would take the road and i would walk for miles and miles and i have that perspective but my son and i'm guilty of doing this because i i desperately my and i have two sons um but my youngest son is the one who's being impacted by this most i desperately want to keep him safe in this world right. that unfortunately is increasingly unsafe. And so we have this app called Life360. Have you ever heard of this app? I have not. So this app allows me to, I have it on his phone, and it allows me to see where he is at all times. Because, you know, he's about to turn 13. 
kids right. don't, they forget to text you to tell you they went to somebody else's house. Right. We live in a really awesome neighborhood, but it's a neighborhood that certainly could be a target. Like if I was a terrible person who wanted to, you know, go find some clueless kids who are just all hanging out together, I'd probably come here. So well, yeah, that's what predators do, right? You right. go to the most target rich environment with the dumbest Pray. Yes. Yes. I mean, I love my son and he's not dumb about a lot of things, but he doesn't have that perspective. And so, so right. I can track him, but literally on this app, I can see, oh, he's riding his bike at seven miles an hour, 12 miles, miles an wow. hour. I, I can zoom in and get like, you know, the Google map view of where exactly he is That's or crazy. Google earth or whatever. It's crazy. But now he has no perspective of not knowing, like he's not mad that I can do that. Because he doesn't, his friends all, I found out about it from the mother of, uh, of his best friend, because we all have it. So now what are you, here's the hard question. What are you doing so that your kids, and and this would be good advice for the people who are listening, who have children or, or will eventually have children in this time in our lives. How are you going to make it so that your kids still have that? perspective. I mean, I see that you've been doing it, but share with us. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. First of all, that, that little Lojack device you have on your kid is pretty interesting. <laughs> oh my I've gosh. That's what like, we're going to call it now. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of little bracelets and things you can put on kiddos. And so in case they don't have a, you know, a phone or whatever, my kids don't have phones um, at this point. Uh, so, cause they would totally lose them first of all. But um, so that's really, really interesting. And there, there's certainly a side of me that wants to say, okay, yeah, let, let's go, go and do whatever you're going to do. Cause obviously when we grew up, I mean, you had a different experience than I did, but it was, I was very stereotypical, lived in an okay um, subdivision, you know, and it was come home with the streetlights come on, you know, or when it's dark. And then at first it was, don't leave the cul-de-sac. And then it was, okay, you could go to so-and-so's house. You had to be between there and there, you know, so there was a little bit of oversight, but I mean, there were people that got kidnapped back then, but today, like you said, it's a whole different animal, which is just, I hate it. I hate every bit of it because I'm a big lover of freedom and lover of being off the grid if you can be. And I, I hate to think that my kids might never experience that in some regard because of the need for safety. You know, I, I so there's a part of me in my core that revolts against that partly. I thought there would be, right? Yeah. yeah it's like there's a part of me that goes like, you know, I'd rather teach them how to use a knife and stab a bad guy than have to deal with being watched all the time. But I'm also a realist. I realize that, you know, my eight-year-old daughter isn't probably going to be karate chopping anybody, you know, and I don't want her to something bad to happen to her. I think your eight-year-old daughter could karate chop someone. Uh, or, or, she, or she'll negotiate her way out or drive them crazy. One of the, you know, <laughs> something will occur that will, I'll probably get a return slip on that one. But <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, we have a little bit of property and I try to just let the kids location wise, they haven't really wanted to go far and explore. You know, I try to, when I'm close to them, I try to give them as much latitude as possible to explore. And some people might say it's negligent, but in the eighties, it was just called parenting. So, you know, I mean, they, they splash around in the water and they know how to swim. They don't wear life jackets. They don't you know, when they're in the lake and they're, they, people are like, what about snakes? I'm like, well, they know what snakes are good and what snakes are bad and you can't protect them forever. So they're going to run around with bare feet and look around and be kids because 
gosh, I'd hate to take that away from them. And maybe that's a irresponsible way to look at it. But as far as just being able to let them go, my kids at this point aren't like going out on bikes and going far and all this other stuff. But to think about when I was eight years old, I was riding a bike miles from my house and going to stores and buying things and the whole deal. And I'm looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was going by a pizza place and like pulling out my money and buying a slice of pizza when I was eight years old and riding three miles back on my BMX bike. And that was like, that was a Wednesday. That was what you did. And it's, it's very sad to me that we're probably wouldn't be smart to do that with our kids. And I don't know, like, how do you, well, see, so Bert, that's why, like, even though it's kind of a double-edged sword, this Life360 app enables sure. me to let Luke have like a much longer leash because he sure. does. He goes, him and his buddies will go, you know, get lunch together. And, oh, and and he uses his, um, you know, his debit card for it because it's so crazy now. You know, he gets his allowance put into his checking account, which is weird. And then he uses <laughs> his debit card to go buy things. It's a strange world when actually he could just use his iPhone because they all have Apple Pay. But I haven't told him that yet. Um, but I, yeah. used to, I used to go to Kroger as a kid and like look under like behind the, the gumball machines where people would drop their quarters and be too lazy to pick them up. And I'd find quarters. I'm like, yeah. And then I would just like buy my gumball and all like, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, for me with having a card would have been insane to think about, but it would have been so crazy. Yeah. yeah. But oh, okay. man, no, my 360 app is really interesting sounding though. Like that might be a, a key, a key to the situation. Cause I definitely want to, because I fear if they're not brought up with some of that excitement for curiosity, I think you could, you could train to, like a domestic nature and a, and an overly protected nature right into someone's hard drive. And all of a sudden they're, they're fearful of multiple situations and they haven't, they're, you know, averse to going out and trying hard things. And I mean, that, that breaks my heart to think that that's probably a reality of a lot more people now than, than ever before. No, I, I, I'm with you. Okay. One more thing that I want to share about sure. this before we move might on. Might not have been a good answer, but that's a, that's a great question. Well, I think that the answer for all of us as parents right now is just evolving. We're, we're trying to figure it out, but you know, I live in Florida, which is like the Australia of the United States because like every deadly animal lives here in Florida. And yeah. It's currently alligator mating season and snake mating season. So like oh, it's the time when they're most aggressive. Um, so you're really, yes. and they're, they're most active and you have to just watch out because you have to respect their space. And I'm, right. I'm hoping and praying that I have taught my son that as much as humanly possible. Right. I mean, we have an alligator that is... 10 to 12 feet long Ooh. that lives in our um our pond behind our house and sometimes we'll come and i have taken some video of this for social media it will come flying across the pond only during these months of of mating season right. when i let my dogs out in the backyard because yeah yeah they yeah, they're like they're oh food tea. right yeah there's a snack <laughs> yeah. and but usually like i can just kind of stand up on the fence and throw my arms up and and, and kind of yell and and he backs off he never comes up onto the the bank and i've i've put floodlights in so that at night like i turn all the lights on and i look outside before i let the dogs out just to make sure because but do you have a fence there or anything we do except you know we live in a community that has an hoa so we couldn't it's only a on the on the one side facing the um the pond it's a four foot um why am i forgetting the word for it it's uh you can see through it. yeah like it's it's metal um yeah this is silly. People are listening to this going, yelling what it is that I'm supposed to be saying now. 
it, we did we did like the slats closer together on the very bottom because that was an option. It's called like puppy fencing. To me, I was like, yeah, that's alligator prevention because it also goes deeper into the ground so they can't right. dig underneath. Yeah. Although I've seen the videos of them scaling fences, so I don't know what I'm thinking. Alligators are pretty capable. Yeah. But anyway, um, that was a slight aside. What I just wanted you to understand is that they're really active. They're all over our neighborhood. And and uh, as much as my, my um, son is with his group of friends and they're going off to, you know, we have a million different parks here. They have found their own way to somewhat get off the grid, even though they, we still have the Life360. There are some of the undeveloped areas where all, and we have wild boars like crazy too. I forgot about that. They're, you know, they dig up all the parks. That sounds like a night. super fun place. Oh yeah, no, you have to come visit. You, you, you have to see, it's just taking a walk through our neighborhood is insane, the amount of wildlife you see. But now they've been going out into the woods part and there's, um, there's a little bit of a river. They're calling it a river. It's more like a stream, but Again, all of the animals really love this area. They've decided they're building a fort back there. And at first, the protective helicopter mom was like, absolutely not. But when he first started building this fort, he was coming home filthy, filthy. Like, I would be throwing him in the mudroom. Don't walk any, you know, further into yeah, the house. Yeah. But I was so elated by the fact that he was filthy, you know? Yes. yes. And, it, we had to throw his socks away multiple times. There's just no point. Like they were disgusting. So he doesn't even wear socks anymore. And he, we were just, you and I offline, we're talking about Crocs. And so now he has Crocs, but he calls them donkeys <laughs> for whatever reason. And he goes out and now he sent us, he, and I'm going to send you a picture of what this fort looks like. It's pretty impressive. And I can see where he is. And he's about a mile and a half from the house. And every time he goes there, I'm, freaking out a little bit inside because of the time of year it is in the snakes like i've almost stepped on a rattlesnake before on a walk like it's not this is it's not unheard of so i'm just I'm on yeah. high You're alert and spring. <laughs> yes i'm ready for the call you know like luke was bit by a snake or something like i i know where urgent care is i know like i've got my plan in place but I, cause I just don't want to stop him from doing it. it. Part of me really wants to stop him because I'm terrified. But the other part is like, no, let him have this. Yeah, no, I, you're exactly, exactly right. Um, I mean, first of all, you could just get a pair of snake boots and you're probably pretty good to go. Ooh, um, what are snake boots? Yes, snake we're boots getting those. They're like, yeah, they're anywhere between 100 and 200 bucks, different brands make them. They're, they're just, they come just below the knee and they're snake proof. So they're awesome just tromping around boots. That's what my kids run around in because like you kind of could just snake can't bite through them. And they also keep all like the, the briars and the um, and all the uh, like poison ivy off the, their ankle and stuff like that. And you can get them pretty light. Like that's what I hunt in down here just because we have a lot of snakes too. I hunt the swamps. So a pair of snake, snake proof boots, multiple companies make them, but that might be the move. Then you can kind of like, hey, go hit it. And this is just going to protect your everything. And, and, and you could kind of sell it as not only is it snake preventative, but you know, when you're in the mud and stuff like that, you're not getting your play shoes dirty and socks destroyed. And so my kids either have like pull on rubber boots that have to be snake proof or they, they have the little snake boots. All so. right. Well, that's awesome. I am going yeah, to that be kind buying of that, right? Snakes. I mean, I don't think it's going to really help you too much with an alligator, but 
you know, don't don't go like uh, I uh, I learned years ago. If you make the alligator sound of like the little babies or the mating sound, you can attract alligators. And so I do it for fun because it makes me laugh. Oh, you don't have to do it here. Like we, if you were here with me, we could walk outside and within two minutes, we're going to see an alligator. It's wow. they're everywhere. Try, try later today, when you go out there, go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you'll bring yeah. them right. It's pretty, I get a kick out of watching it. At least that way, because I know where they are. You know, and then I'd rather know where they are than have them hiding somewhere. So, you know. Okay. And, and All my, right. my wife is, is uh, you know, most people, and especially females, would be kind of like not big on animals like that. I wouldn't say she, she molests animals. That's a weird term, but yes, she likes she likes messing with them. She she's like, hey, let's go see how close we get to that alligator. And I'm like, hey, like, let's maybe not. You know, I have a <laughs> respect for him. She's like, no, we can get close to him and like make noise and see what he does. I'm like, well, you bite your ass is what he's gonna do. <laughs> like, oh gosh, we need to get her like a suit of armor if she's gonna oh, do that. Definitely. Oh, definitely. She's like, I'm not afraid. I'm like, yeah, no, that's the problem. Yeah. So, uh -huh. uh, yeah, there needs to be a healthy respect and fear for some of these predators for sure all right i mean they're, they're there yeah well so we've reached about the halfway point um and and we need to take a short break for a message about our sponsor uh, we've covered some great things the snake boots are big uh <laughs> and how to call an alligator uh, for those people listening in new england you're just going to have to come visit to to put that into practice but or, or just go out in the bar and start doing that see who, see who shows up yes <laughs> just see what um, all right. But anyway, when we come back, we are going to talk about your definition of strength and, and how that's evolved over the years. But we'll take a short break now. Hi, this is your host, Dana Santos, the mobility maker. As a breathing mobility and mind body coach in pro sports, I know all too well that many athletes tend to focus on the prep and performance of a workout, but often neglect the important aspect of muscle recovery. To help you fine tune your specific recovery routine, Thorne offers a wide variety of supplements like their Recovery Pro Protein Blend. This unique formula is designed specifically for bedtime, helping promote restful sleep while supporting muscle recovery with its blend of whey protein, tryptophan, magnesium, and GABA. Visit mobilitymaker.com forward slash thorn and sign up for a free thorn account using my referral link to save 20% on individual thorn recovery supplements. That's mobilitymaker.com forward slash thorn. So we're back now with Bert, and now we're going to take a deeper dive into, um, uh, well, actually, we haven't really talked a whole lot about strength. We've talked about some interesting things. So we are going to take a deep dive, though, into the role that strength has played in your life and how your definition of strength has evolved over your lifetime. Sure. That's a great question. Um, my life has had essences of strength forever, um, whether it was... I think the early days, it was more of the scientific, it would be considered the scientific definition of strength or, you know, contractile forces and things like that. That was what I looked at as, 
I, you know, I wanted to be a, a hammer thrower or a weightlifter or whatever. So it was all like a programming type strength. It's like, well, I, I will gain 15% more strength, blah, 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 all that stuff. And I used to see it very pragmatically, physical strength. It was all about physical strength. And, and, and then it started shifting into mental strength, which is strategy. And, and that was a phase of my life. And then, then in emotional strength this is where it's kind of gotten more to and, and in some ways I see that as consistency and doing the hard things when you don't want to do the hard things but then also continuing to show up um, and to be able to put your to be tough enough to last you know that's what you, you I look at here's an interesting talk about the alligator example but so you know there's you people say oh that guy's really tough or so and so is really tough and I've kind of looked at it from like an animal side. I said, you know, I know a lot of times in society, they're the, 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 I wouldn't say a loud talker, but a aggressive speaker or aggressive actions and posturing is a lot of times seen as like, whoa, that's tough or that's strong. And I got looking at it, I said, well, you know, when I see that now, I see the equivalent of a barking, a, a medium-sized barking dog on the side of the street, just <laughs> I see that as fear. I don't see that as strength or toughness anymore. I see that as fear because why would he be barking so much at some point? If, if you're really that bad, you should be biting, you know, versus like you look, see an alligator An alligator just lays there. He just lays there because he's very confident in his ability. He's very confident if, if his strength when needed, he's confident on <laughs> his species has survived a gazillion years without really much training. And I've, you know, I've thrown sticks and rocks at alligators laying there and I'm like, Oh, they don't move. Or like, I'm going, why I go, Oh, cause he's not worried about me. Like that's the strength and the toughness. Now I see like alligator tough, not dog tough. Alligators eat dogs. And, you know, and so I kind of see that as same thing as people, you know, there's people that I've seen in my life that were, talk, 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 posturing a strength. And then I see the, some of them quiet and deliberate. And I go, oh, that's the ones I'm, I respect more or, or more concerned about, or, or would go, okay, strength for that person to endure all of those things and, and hold their water and not freak out and not emotionally explode or socially explode under ma major stressors or even attacks and you go wow that person took the high road for years and held themselves together in a situation that would have been very easy to and, and very sophomoric or or uh or immature to just and probably would feel great to just go and just explode all over the place and but that never helps and so i i've have more appreciation for that consistency of character that's where i view strength as and what i really appreciate the ability to stand up with a whole lot of weight on your back or in your hands is still um appreciated but i think that's the smallest and lowest hanging fruit of definition of strength some people are just made strong and that doesn't make them a better person or an amazing person or someone that you need to emulate or just because they could stand up with a bunch of weight. It's just sometimes they could stand up with a bunch of weight and that's, that's about all you really need to look into it. Uh, but the other soft pieces of that puzzle are the ones I'm really interested in. So I, I see strength in a lot of different ways now.
And yeah, and you say now. So when when do you feel like I mean, growing up where he would literally say you grew up with like a barbell in your hand. I mean, physical strength was a huge part of your life and obviously something to admire, something to aspire to. At what point in your life, because the people who follow me and who listen are at all different stages and and some of them might even be at you know the barking dog stage because i think a lot of us go through through that right yes all been through it hopefully we're through it but a lot of us have been in it at least yeah and And society kind of sets you up to think that's what you have to do Mm -hmm. oh more than ever now right Mm -hmm. more than ever you know the loudest person the look at me type of thing but a lot of times look how great the selfie thing the whole deal and i kind of see all that as some variation on the barking dog and generally the barking dog is scared so where do you think you know at the at what point in your life do you think you really started to get because this is this is very wise what you're saying right like isn't it crazy that we're we're at this age where we've got some wisdom now um (laughs) and and we we don't have all of this shame or feel all of this that the heat of humiliation when we talk about the fact that at one point in our lives we were the barking dog you know um yeah yeah and, and we i we've all done it like and especially when you taste your first amount of success because you're like oh this is what this feels like i like putting points on the board i'm winning i want people to know that i'm a winner look at me i'm a winner look at the scoreboard the scoreboard i was winning and yeah. you, and you want to you know and depending on the chip on your shoulder or your experience that you had prior to that maybe you never won and maybe uh you wanted to to let the world know that you've arrived and that's 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 part of growth that's that's great but at some point you kind of realize that okay you know what would they say act like you've been there before you know it, you know you kind of hear that that whole thing and you kind of go right like there that's why that is said you know you you step on the world stage okay act like this this isn't the first be be excited about it but if you're going to be a true professional at winning and at being successful every day can't be a touchdown dance sometimes you just keep your head down and and take your next shot and move on and move the ball down the field and and that intrinsic that intrinsic success has to be enough or you or you turn into a caricature and I think I've seen that and, I, and I've started going, wow, okay, how that person's reacting. I don't necessarily like the feeling it's giving me as a, as a onlooker. And then I put the mirror and go, oh, I've been that person. I've certainly done that. And then you feel, I feel a little bit of, gosh, I'm glad people still like me because I've done that <laughs> and I don't, and I'm not digging on that. So, ooh, okay. I need to change how I'm viewing this because I'm, my, my value proposition has changed. And then I think once you actually go through some very difficult things later where you have to hold yourself together under stressful circumstances or you fail and you don't and then have to look at the feedback and go and assess where you were and the things you said or whatever, I think it comes back to introspection. You have to be a friend of our both of ours, Mike Rodriguez, said that uh, my friends are in a constant state of selections. And so he's like, I'm watching everything. He's like. I've had people burn me left and right. And he goes, I'm, I'm just, everyone in my life is in the constant, constant state of selection, which is kind of raw. You're like, wow, you're kind of like this whole thing the whole time. And he's just like, sorry, that's kind of how I've had to grow up. And so, but you look, I think when you could turn that on yourself, okay, am I someone when I would 
that I would trust? Am I someone that I would want to hang out with? Am I someone that I would want to look up to? Am I someone that I would want to spend time with? And I, and for me, that is a metric that I, that I look at and go, you know, it's not about, you know, the, 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 the high, the, the, the low hanging fruit successes or you know, money or position or followers, all that stuff. I like at certain times we've been through some things and I was like, whoa, I think we, we reacted pretty well to that stressor. I'm proud of my reaction to that stressor. I, I maybe took the harder road that took years for it to come out in the wash, but I still, I could still look at that situation and go at no point in that situation did I compromise my values, my family name, or my reputation to get out of a hard situation faster. And that's where I go, okay, to me, that is strength these days for me. It's, it's no longer, you know, X number of newtons of force put into the floor. And as a kid, I grew up thinking strength was, can you double, can you deadlift double body weight? And at what age? And if you can't, you're not strong, strangely enough, right? And then these days it's like, oh, that, you know, physical strength has to be something that has to at least be a pursuit. You know, maybe someone has an, an inability to do that, that type of weight or that percentage. Am I going to say they're not strong? No, I, I, you know, I don't have to walk. I haven't had to walk through everyone else's shoes. The things you've been through in life, you know, from what you've told me are greatly and vastly different than my childhood. You've had to be strong in ways that had nothing to do with muscle contraction. That's what I view it. I believe that's the interesting part of the world of strength. And I like turning it, turning the face of that. And that's kind of what I've tried to shift the culture of, of Sorenex from powerlifting, Olympic lifting, strongman. Like, okay, that's all great. That is a manifestation of a certain part of that strength that can be looked at quantifiably. Cool. We've simplified it and boiled it down so simple that it's fun to watch. But real strength is all the other stuff. Like even if someone, let's say they're a world's strongest man, I'm not interested in the weights they do. I'm interested in how do they balance their family? How do they balance, how do they get up every day dialed in to go do these hard things day in, day out? Because there was 10 years of doing it before they were a known person. So how do they stay interested and excited about doing this thing before there was any benefit or, or feedback positively? Like that, in my opinion, is strength. Someone could deadlift a thousand pounds, good for you. Great. I'm glad that you could do it, but that doesn't make you anything necessarily overly special yeah uh you've said so much in that um <laughs> that, that let's unpack a little bit because then um as as we start to get towards the end of the podcast i'd like to to reiterate some of these these lessons um and 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 advice for people so that they have actual takeaways from what you've said that they can apply to their lives. And I, I think you've done a beautiful job in explaining these things in ways that that will resonate with people and make them understand that when you talk about consistency of character, that it doesn't happen. You you you're build, you build your character over time. And we went over that. You know, you you might be the barking dog right now, or you might have just come out of the barking dog phase and you still feel kind of ashamed of that. And there's there's no reason to be ashamed of that. Like you've you're moving on, you're starting to come into your own. And there's nothing more beautiful than trans transformation, right? There's nothing more beautiful than that. When you know, I've seen people in both phases. And there's nothing that makes me more excited to go, ah, oh, I see change. That person's getting it. And it's not that I'm the, the foreseer of all who's getting it and who's not. But from my perspective, I'm seeing positive change and they're becoming better. But then the other side of it is you ask those people, give me feedback. What am I doing right or wrong? And 
there's a certain amount of strength that goes in there because sometimes the answer isn't what you want to hear. Well, and you know who immediately comes to mind when we talk about transformation and, and um, it's Brandon, right? Brandon Lilly. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so there was a reason that he was, he the, was very... the biggest, scariest barking dog. He was yes. a, a, he was a barking rhino. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like it, 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 terrifying, but you see all the other stuff and I see him getting stronger and stronger and stronger every day to the point where he's a leader and an amazing human. And it's still just like, gosh, his consistency, like, what are you watch his social media? It's like day 1017. And you're like, dude, you've trained that many days in a row to do something, to make it better for, for you and your family. Like, wow. Talk that strength. Because you can't be interested in something for a thousand days or not interested and still do it for a thousand freaking days. It's it's phenomenal. I um, That's the reason that Brandon was my very first guest on this podcast, because as I was thinking about, you know, this definition of real strength and, and the evolution of it for people and what it means. And I just couldn't think of a better person to really epitomize that for everyone, you know, to look at like, and, and, and he wouldn't be afraid to lay everything bare and people don't understand all of the backstory. But when I left you that message a couple weeks ago, you know, the one where you probably couldn't understand me because I was crying half the time. And by the way, very happy tears, very, very happy tears. But it was a great message. Oh, gosh, I wish I could listen back. Like, I was like, what did I actually say? It was just it was just my heart talk to you. It wasn't my brain. So I don't even know exactly what I said. But but um, and I'd only watched the video once. But the part that had me I hadn't even seen myself because I'm towards the end. And uh, we're and for people who don't know, we're talking about the Zach Brown um, video that was shot at Winter Strong. And I'm going to have you explain Summer Strong and Winter Strong as well, because I want you to talk to people, especially about Summer Strong since it's coming up. But it was the part and see, I'm going to get choked up. I don't I don't know exactly why this gets me so much. But the part with Brandon was so beautiful. Bert, that was so beautiful. And, and people who don't know Brandon as anything else, all that other stuff that he had worked so hard to build, you know, the barking rhino part, they don't know that. They just see this incredible man. And it was filmed so beautifully. And I love him. And I think he's such a great soul. And uh, I love that whole part. And it that I like I started sobbing while I was watching it because I was just and, and I sent him this message just telling him like people seeing that video so many of them will have no idea who that other Brandon was right and and they just see this this you that is just glowing so beautiful and amazing and yeah I'm so proud of him and I he you know he on the podcast that I had done with him he talked about this talk that we had had in my kitchen um, and we were both in really kind of sucky places at the time. And he talks about how much I helped him without even having any regard for how much he had helped me in that conversation. And he helped me so much. And how much he helps people on a daily basis with his whole plus one mentality. Um, my, my older son follows him um, now, cause, and, and they haven't met in person. And I'm hoping at Summer Strong that they will, because um, I'm trying to get him to come. He's 22. You're going to love him. He's awesome. Oh, but, cool. um, but yeah, he's impacting all of these lives. And uh, it's, it's incredible. And the reason that then, instead of calling Brandon when I was sobbing after I saw that, right, um, <laughs> I called you is because you are this magical piece in the puzzle that fits everything together. It's almost like you're the last piece. It's the piece that you put in and then the whole picture comes into focus. 
Uh, see, I'm getting chills. I just love you so much. <laughs> and and you have impacted so many lives. And Brandon and I have probably talked for hours and hours just about you and and, and the impact that you've had on our lives. Um, it, it's, it's incredible. And it's just the stuff that we know about. But, I mean, you're kind of like, remember our text about Judd Logan? Yeah. And it was such a privilege and an honor to know Judd. And again, it's because of you that I had that experience. And I had said, you know, I, it, it was so hard for me to understand, wrap my head around how he had the bandwidth to impact so many people. And I think you, you know, you, you re reiterated that, but I, I wanted to come back to you and be like, dude, you do it all the time. Like, I don't know where you get this bandwidth. And I'm glad that you take the time that you need by yourself to recharge because we all need you. You have to recharge so you can come back and keep doing this for us. You know. Thank, thank you, uh, thank you. It, it, yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to talk about my, myself. I, I was talking to Derek Woodski um, about Judd the, the day that he passed, and we were just telling Judd stories. And and he said that one day I thought this was so beautiful. Um, I don't want to get choked up either. But he said he and Judd were at practice, they were training together. And, you know, a lot of times after training sessions, you know, people just hang out and talk afterwards and all this stuff. And he said that Judd was literally in the middle of a story. They trained together, had this amazing session. Judd was in the middle of a story. And he said he was telling Derek and he said he just stopped midway through the sentence and got in his truck and drove off. What? <laughs> And Derek was just like, wow, that's like the Irish goodbye champion of the world. Like you didn't even finish the sentence. And uh, he was like, huh, you know, and totally Derek, he'll observe it and then he'll just sit on it and he'll never forget it. And he'll just sit on it. And he said like a couple of weeks later, he and Judd were talking and he was like, hey, the other day you were telling a story to me at practice and then you just left. And then, and then Judd just goes, yeah, I knew you were good. I had someone else I had to go tell it to. He was just like, wow you're like you're so in tune with your people he's like yeah you were good I, I know you were you were fed I needed to go feed someone else so at that second I gotta go and you're just like whoa that is like mate and then because Derek and I were talking we're like how did he impact so many people constantly because everyone has a Judd Logan story that's like deep water and you're like how did he do it and he was like that's how he did it he he made sure he was a hundred percent with you until you were fed then sorry he has to move on like santa claus has to go to a different house and you're just like man but but he also said he goes but when he would come home he would sit in his chair and totally zone out for hours and you are because he laid everything on the line and into people for the second that he interfaced to the second he came home, he was pouring, pouring, pouring. And he was like, he would come home and he would sit in his chair and he would just be out for hours. And it's just like, yeah, I get it. I get that's what you have to do if you're going to be to that level. But it was for him, it was like he he never had enough time to to help as many people as he wanted to. But strangely enough, thousands of people said he gave me more time than anybody else ever had in my life you're like how do you have that much coverage it's insane it's incredible and so like that's someone that i look up to like okay that's the impact that you know i, I would love to have but i also see as the gold standard because that's 
that's strength, right? He's getting to, he's pouring into other people as a consummate coach, but then it's, you know, enjoying their victories, helping, you know, curtail their story as a light giver, lining up the path for people that don't see that path themselves, you know, and, and, and so like, in my opinion, he's like one of the best ever to do it. Well, it's still clear, hard to think. About. It's clear that, that he impacted you. And I, I mean, I, I, I see you so much following in his footsteps in that way. It's, um, because he, he was the best ever to do it. In my opinion, it was just, it's shocking that someone is, was so talented in that and just, it's crazy. But the neat part was, is, you know, his light shined on a whole lot of people and you see, you know, his, his, I want to call them disciples, underlings, whatever, but there's a whole lot of coaches and a lot of people in the world now that I see are carrying those same traits. And you're like, oh, I know why you're like that. I know who your mentor was. Right. Yeah. You know? His light is still shining. It's incredible. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. So speaking of incredible things, let's let's talk about um, Summer Strong. So, uh, we, you know, we mentioned Winter Strong briefly, and that's where that video was shot. And, and it was sure. incredible. I can't believe it took me what what number Winter Strong was that for? Uh, oh, good. OK, so I didn't I didn't miss too many. But man, I had that. What do they call it? Um, well, it's not fear of missing out. I should have had more fear of missing out. Maybe I would have showed up at the other ones. I did have flights one time, and then I had to go to L.A. for work. And I don't even remember what it was I did in L.A., but what I did at Winterstrong, I'll never forget. So I really wish. But anyway, what I'm was not your gonna... favorite part? Not trying to uh, not trying to, you know, dig for compliments. What was your favorite part that connected with you at Winterstrong? Because I love the Winter strong to a lot of people probably just looks like a bunch of hunters and dudes sitting outside doing outdoor stuff. That's not exactly who you are. So how did you enjoy it? And in, and in what regard? All right. So, um, it's so funny that you say that's not exactly who you are. Right. So, um, to, to the open masses, right. Well, we, we touched on, you know, you, you mentioned that I grew up in a different way than you. And I, so I, I, I grew up really poor um, and uh, to the point that like my my stepfather um, would hunt. It didn't matter what season it was because we couldn't wait sure. for seasons. He was hunting because yeah, we had to eat. Right? Yes. So so um, we were always eating venison, um, rabbit, whatever. Who knows? Mystery meat, but whatever he shot, it, we were eating it. And um, and I mean, I used to my family was riddled with alcoholics and drug addicts and all of these things. So unfortunately, in my mind, a lot of the super cool stuff that was happening, um, it was happening out of necessity, but then it was all rolled up in all of these other issues, this stuff and the stuff that ultimately, I mean, I was a child was hurting me in ways that I wouldn't be able to contend with until I was an adult. Um, which again, the family that I've built through the, the, the people that you've introduced me to has helped me so much to heal. But Winterstrong was so healing because I had not shot a pistol since I was probably nine or 10 years old, the last time that, wow. I'd, that I'd shot a pistol. And, um, and I remember it being, you know, it was a bunch of uh, like uh, really drunk, uh, friends of my stepfather were on a 
were on a porch somewhere and they thought it was a joke. Nobody told me about the kickback. Now I had shot rifles and you know, I'd always have it up against my, and I was a teeny tiny, you think I'm small now. Like imagine me as a nine year old. So it's like your daughter essentially. That's, and so I knew about the kickback with a rifle, like, but I'm thinking I've watched Magnum PI. I know I've got this. You know, and there was a birch tree and, and I've got the red light on the birch tree and I shoot. No one tells me anything. Obviously, my arms go up over my head. I get like pushed, shot back. I, I don't know, like six to eight feet into the house, like side of our house and then kind of crumple down like a cartoon character. And um, and and they all thought it was hilarious. And and so. I was like, all right, I'm just going to stick to rifles. Like I'm no Magnum PI. And, and so having the opportunity to have someone actually show me. And before that, remember I went to see Rudy and Jade, Jade had done some dry firing with me. I realized that I'm left eye dominant. Um, and that I shoot better left-handed, which is so weird. I can't even brush my teeth left-handed, but I shoot like a champ left-handed and I crushed it out there. Like, and it was so cathartic. Yeah. It was so cathartic. Like, I was so excited. And Donovan would be like, do you want to move on to something else? And I'm like, no. Or we would start <laughs> to. We would start to go somewhere else. And I'd be like, can we please just go back? Let's go back. Oh, I love it. So it's kind of like almost writing some of the wrongs or like rewriting that hard drive. Yes. Yes. So um, I absolutely loved it. And um I'm I'm thinking of of buying one now because uh, I I want to practice I want to get better at this and sure. um, but that I mean that's just that's one example the whole thing was amazing uh, I loved it I loved um, you know the flip flop method when we all were making the um, the deer legs and it that was incredible just you know all of the um, the community. I had wished that we had stayed in tents. I know it was cold and, and rainy and um, and sorry, Donovan, I'm gonna throw you under the bus a little bit. He kept thinking, I think he was thinking I couldn't handle it, but he he forgets people, people who don't really know me and they see me now, they don't realize like we didn't have heat. Uh, half the time we didn't have electricity. Sometimes we didn't have running water. Like I camping is not a big deal to me. Uh, <laughs> it's just not like I, I, I like to have comforts now because I can, and I take a certain pride in the fact that, you know, I earned them, but I have no problem. And I think it's hilarious when people are like, oh, you know, oh, you don't want to get wet in the rain or whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a mindset in it too, right? Because we're always taught. Like, you know, put your jacket on and stay warm or, you know, put your so-and-so on. Don't go outside. It's raining. And you look at it and you go, well, if you're always in a 72 degree life, it's dry. The sine wave of your experience of life is relatively flat. Like you never get the highs. You never get the lows. It's just kind of existing you know, and, and I've learned more and more from that, just being in the outdoors or some days that just totally suck. And, but that's okay. If you just realize this is a different experience that I now have, it will eventually end. And 
I'm going to, I'm going to ride this experience for what it is. I'm going to learn something from it. I'm either going to be more prepared next time or change my tactics, change my pack list, whatever it has to be. But as long as I don't die on this one, everything else is negotiable. And uh, I know a friend of ours, Michael Easter, wrote the book, The Comfort Crisis. And it's a wonderful book. And it talks about... Check that out. Oh, it's, it's perfect. Um, I'll, I'll, try to, I'll, I'll try to send you a copy. Um, I love so that, but it, we'll, put a, we'll put a link to it in the show notes oh, cool. too for yeah. people. Yeah, Michael Easter, awesome guy, uh, The Comfort Crisis. So it talks about not only the health, but the happiness of people uh, who endure discomfort regularly. And how that as we trend more and more towards kind of all the time comfort, that we're actually becoming a, a more sad, more depressed, and definitely less healthy and less capable species. And different play, and you see it, right? You mean know, you sit inside. If you wanted to go see a friend 50 years ago, you walked outside where it was hot, cold, rainy, or maybe it was a beautiful day. Well, that beautiful day was going to mean something to you. And you walked a few miles to that person's house. So there was an effort involved and there was your feet maybe hurt and all this. When you got to that person's house, you were so excited to see them because this was an opportunity to connect. And there was all these things and maybe they made some food and there was some work involved in that. And there was some sacrifice involved in that. And there's all these things that we have bred out of our life situation as being because it's not comfortable. Now you can sit on your butt on the couch perfectly you know, air conditioned or, or heated home, order something from Uber Eats, it shows up at your house, you didn't really have to do anything for it. It was pure comfort the whole time. And FaceTime and a friend. You FaceTime a friend or text to pop something over to him or, him or her. And you look about at it and you go, wow, depression is up. People are less healthy than they've been. And all this the relationships are breaking down. And a lot of it, it talks about is because of the, the, the comfort curve that they have. So it's really interesting. Gotta check it out. Absolutely. Well, we will. We'll put um, a link to that in the show notes and I am I am gonna check it out. So yes, um, but to, to go back to the answer um, to your question is, I, I think the experience that overall that um, I got out of Winter Strong that was so meaningful was reminding me um, that I am very familiar with being uncomfortable, and that, and that, it, it there the other things about growing up I did not love, but I actually relished that, like getting lost in the woods, you yeah. know, like it, 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 and appreciating the outdoors. It just it brought me back to that place, and it it made me not afraid to look at it, you know, and look at it and find the good things because I had rejected all of it because mm -hmm. it hurt too much. And um, yeah. And then you can kind of rewrite that experience, that story in your mind and your heart of, hey, these things were good and actually strengthened me. And these other things, I could choose to put those away. But these, and that, that's the fun part of growth and, and of, you know, uh, that's, that's the good stuff. Yes, good. for sure. Well, and okay, so another learning experience for me, and now I've been to so many Summer Strongs, I can't even remember, but has been Summer Strong. And that is open to the public. And this podcast is going to come out in time for hopefully, if it's not sold out already, for people to, to find out about it. And if they weren't planning on going, really consider it because it can be absolutely life-changing. Um, 
And I remember saying to you, like my first experience at SummerStrong, and even having been a speaker, you know, usually that's a totally different experience for someone if they're at, at an event, if you're a speaker versus someone who's in the crowd. But um, there's no difference. There's no difference, you know, because especially too, at, at SummerStrong, the caliber of the people that are in the crowd, it's right. incredible. Have, have, if, if, People who are listening, if you've never been and you go, have conversations with everyone that you possibly can. Um, there are because so many. There's a hundred people in the crowd that could be carrying the flag and up on the stage at that moment. And that's the neat part. You go, oh, you're just as interesting as anyone else here. And what was your name again? Cool. And, you know, that's the fun. That's the, the little Easter eggs, right? That's the fun part of life. So very cool. So tell people a little bit about Summer Strong. Um, and we're going to put a, a link to um, information about Summer Strong as yeah. well. And then also after you finish with Summer Strong, let us know if there's anything else that you want to share with people. Um, we want to know where to find you. I'm going to put the link to your Instagram, um, your website, obviously, the Soranex website. We didn't even talk about the Mobility Maker bench that we did together or anything yeah. like that, but that's okay. Um, they can they can find that stuff, but sure. Summer Strong. The uh, so Summer Strong. So Summer Strong started. This will be 15 years we've done it now. Um, 15 years ago, for my dad, Richard Soren, founder of Sorenx, uh, it was his birthday, and first time. So hey, what do you want to do for your birthday? This is like a week ahead of time. He goes, oh, let's just invite some people over and lift weights and open the gym up, let everyone have a good time and eat and drink and let's cook and all. It's like okay, cool, let's do that. And 38 people from five states showed up the first year. And then it just just kind of started growing where, but what we noticed even that first year was we had a professional, a couple professional strongmen showed up, a couple Highland Games athletes, a couple Olympic lifting coaches, a couple power lifters, athletes. And so you look at it, but what we saw was one person would start inadvertently just kind of coaching or, or training other people would start asking them questions and then, oh, everyone's doing snatches right now. Oh, I didn't know that guy even did those. He's a, you know, a, a whatever, a power lifter. Well, he's snatching and this Olympic lifter is teaching him how to snatch and they're going to do box squats. And this Olympic lifter and this Highland Games athlete, or they're doing box squats with a professional strongman. I was like, oh, this is interesting because everyone was showing respect to one another in their own disciplines, but everyone started like in just naturally becoming speakers <clears throat> which was really really cool so early on it was get dissimilar people from the physical perform human performance world put them in a jar shake up the jar and then walk away and go let's see what happens um and then years later it transcended to with a physical strength kind of and it was a little bit of my transition where the physical strength was less important and it's you started hearing stories of people and as their transformation happened and brandon was one of those that helped transform it into a different experience and so now it's human performance but let's redefine human performance human performance could be neil kamimura as a knife maker it could be uh, pat ivy and kaz kazadi and giving the story like all it could be your story and there's obviously a human performance component but Sometimes people don't talk about that at all. And so Summer Strong now has turned into, yes, it's still a birthday party. It's a seminar, conference, competition, group therapy, cookout, TED Talk. 
Mm. Kind. Yes. Family reunion. Family reunion. Yes. Family and reunion. So, a little yeah. bit of Woodstock, maybe. A little, yeah, a little bit of that in there. And, and that the cool part is, you know, we set the tone, but it's the fingerprint of that is always going to be slightly different because there are different people in the room. And what energy are they bringing in? But if everyone knows the the rules per se, like we say, how to summer strong, if you, you, know, you keep a, a, a large group of people that have been there before, they know how to do this, they pay homage and they make sure the rest of the crew kind of rest of the crowd kind of gets it. And by the end of the, the weekend, you know, you're experienced, you've experienced something hopefully magical. And, and now you too know how to summer strong. And those are the people we continue to rely on year after year to come and carry the torch, change the world, doing the different thing in the strength world. That's awesome. And this year, the dates, um, May 19th? May 20 and 21st. 20 so and Friday, 21st. Friday okay. and Saturday here in Lexington, South Carolina. Um, yeah, you can go on sornex.com. And I think we even have summerstrongexpo.com, I think is one of our deals. So you can get tickets. Tickets won't last for long. No, they uh, don't usually. We sold a bunch of them. It's just a whole different experience and everything is included when you get there you get to you know eat and drink and our staff is the ones that, that do all the cooking and so it's very um it's different it's intentionally different than all other events and yeah you've it's, been for gosh five six of them at least i think my first one was either seven or eight i'm trying to think of the shirts that i have right yeah so, right. It, so yeah that, that puts you yeah it's a bunch of them and and, and they've grown and they've changed and because we all grow and change. And that's the kind of the thing of it. Um, yeah, it's an amazing experience. We'll put all the links um, to uh, information about Summer Strong, Sornex, your Instagram, but tell them what your Instagram is. Uh, Bert, B-E-R-T, Sorin, S-O-R-I-N. And uh, you can follow us on Sornex, Sornex Outdoors. Uh, you may or may not have heard of Squattober. So that's Sornex Squattober. We're the originator of that. That's free programming during the month of October, world's largest squat party. And during December, we have Sornex Dead Summer. So always trying to pull people together because the world is uh, so good at breaking us apart. We've tried to reverse that. Oh, that, no question. And speaking of breaking stuff apart, um, my participation in Squattober um, twice when I really went hard and did the programming. So two years, there were two years that I did it really hard. I broke apart my favorite jeans both times and I still can't hey. get double A to, to pay for my jeans because it's his programming. <laughs> well, um, but yes. You do yes. the hard stuff, it's you know, you reap the benefits or punishment. <laughs> yes, no, it, it was great. It's fine. I actually had them repaired. And so whenever I wear those, I always think about Squatch Over because the, literally they the seam busted and then went kind of sideways and the seamstress was like what did you do and i'm like my ass grew just sew it up <laughs> all right well for this has been so much fun we went a little over time but it was it was well worth it i loved it um and i'm gonna have to have you on again because there's so much more i had notes on other things i wanted to cover and there are so many lessons and takeaways for people so i I, I know, I don't have to hope. I know that people got a lot out of this. I really appreciate your time. Of course, it was a, it was a wonderful experience being on here and it's always great to get to talk with you, Dana. Once again, we'd like to thank our primary sponsor, Thorne. 
If you like what you heard today and want to support the show, visit the link found in this episode's show notes or simply go to mobilitymaker.com forward slash thorn and sign up for a free thorn account using my referral link to receive 20% off all future individual thorn supplement purchases. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. The Real Strong People podcast is available for streaming on your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to join us next time.